Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Progress Over Perfection Coaching Podcast. My name is Patrick Dedrick, and I'm the founder of Progress Over Perfection Coaching and your host, and I want to thank you for listening in. Progress Over Perfection Coaching is a podcast focused on career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. And we're back with another career deep dive, this time with my good friend and former classmate, Will Sandman. As always, the goal of these kinds of episodes is to offer insight into exactly what makes a successful career, based on the reality that there's no one right way to build one. In addition to that, this episode focuses on the ever-important topic of networking. And networking can mean any number of things, and can often inspire very strong reactions, especially for those that consider themselves more introverted, in which case those reactions are usually typically negative. Will is currently a business development manager for Avery Dennison, based out of Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and he's held a variety of roles in sales, business development, and manufacturing and have, that have taken him throughout Asia. He has been an adjunct professor and is also currently the chairman of the board for the philanthropic group of footwear professionals, Shoe Dogs. An entrepreneur at heart, Will is the first person I think of when I think of networking, and I'm so glad to have had the chance to catch up with him and pick his brain on how to network effectively. Let's get started. All right, Will, thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate having you on and looking forward to catching up and picking your brain and yeah, hearing to, your story. Great to be here. Great to do this. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, you know, support this podcast, man. It seems like a really good cause and uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, I well, appreciate it. And I think um, definitely want to have you kind of walk through your your career. It's it's incredibly interesting and and I think unique and has a lot to to share with others. But first, I think before I get started, I want to make sure kind of highlight uh, what made me initially reach out to you. Besides just catching up, but also you know you've always been such a natural networker and kind of getting to know you in in grad school kind of stood out as like man, this guy. I don't know how he does it like just so so second nature and um it's just so envious and thought I could never never do it but as I got to know you better and learn from you kind of learn different ways to authentically pick up different ways to develop my own kind of networking style so I think as as an extreme introvert uh incredibly grateful for having been close <laughs> to you and got gotten to learn from you so obviously we'll get into more on the networking side of things, but um, would love it if you could kind of walk through your career, kind of any interesting stops along the way that that you made that you want to share with others, and then might pepper in some questions to kind of dive deep in some areas. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll start out with kind of when I realized that I was more inclined to do business than I was to uh, do anything else was when I was in, in my undergrad in Beloit College. I was taking a class by a guy named Jerry Gustafson and it was an entrepreneurship class and it was, it was eye-opening to me and it was super fun. And I realized at that point, it was my junior year and I realized I was like, okay, I probably should be doing biology. I should be doing more business stuff. And so I went to my dad and was like, we, <laughs> I want to drop out. And he was like, well, no, we're not dropping out. <laughs> You're like, three-fourths of the way done like just finish it and then we'll figure out what you want to do after okay so we finished it but that by that time I I kind of knew I watched my parents start businesses 
uh, all throughout my childhood. My dad had a fish restaurant and a worm farm and a dating agency. My mom had a furniture store and an interior design firm. So I'd seen all these things as I'd grown up. And graduating from undergrad, I said, I want to start my own business. And so I got this opportunity. I was importing pottery from Vietnam, um, selling it wholesale and retail, and got to a point where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I, like I was looking back, I was like coming over to Vietnam and I was like, I want three blue ones and I want five red. <laughs> and I had no data behind like what, what I was doing. So that's when right. I was like, okay, I need to go to grad school and get it, get in, uh, and what we call it MIM, but it was really an international MBA. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what started getting into a more, uh, more like legitimate kind of career in, in other people's businesses. And uh, I, I kind of, I started with a company called Paxis. It's now become OIA. And a part of it was sold to a company called Billarude Coarseness. Um, and then from there worked for a company called uh, Chinook Trading. Um, in, in between there was a leather, a synthetic leather supplier called Hua Chong. They were based out of Xinjiang, China. Then I worked for Chinook Trading, which was a footwear agent. Basically, they made products for smaller brands. Um, Paxis and Hua Chong Leather are also part of the footwear industry as far as this tier two supplier. Mm-hmm. And then I landed at Avery Dennison about eight years ago and was the account manager for several brands out of uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, and that allowed me to move to Hong Kong to do business development for footwear and now um, move to Vietnam to manage the performance division uh, for mainland Southeast Asia and then move to now doing business development for footwear again in the, in the strategy uh, and M&A department. So the, the path like we talked about is, is been winding and <laughs> yeah. a lot of it is a lot of it has been uh, there's been some luck in there. Uh, there's been some, you know, kind of right place, right time with the right set of, you know, knowledge. And it's kind of led me to this point where now we are are building a, a strategy for some of our footwear business. And um, I am have been in the right position to be able to get the knowledge that we need to make smarter decisions. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a concise... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's concise 23 years, I think. <laughs> yeah, you fit it in really, really efficiently. Um, <laughs> no, I think would love to dive into, I mean, kind of from from Paxis, it seems like was kind of like already on a path on like the footwear, obviously Portland, you know, some of the, your clients were some of the bigger names in, in the footwear industry. Was that something that you knew that you wanted to do that you were intentionally targeting out of grad school that you wanted to be a part of that world and part of that business? You know, I worked, I briefly did an internship for a management consulting, like a company that did efficiency for the the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for any way to get into a career, a job, um, to to do anything. I, I think I even helped a friend of mine who had a telecom company do some sales for about three months. Uh, So I, it wasn't like I wanted to get into sportswear. It mm-hmm. wasn't like I wanted to get into footwear. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm into fashion. 
obviously growing up, you know, you're, if you're an athlete and I was somewhat of an athlete, but you know, you, if you played tennis, you had the Agassiz. If you, you know, mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you, in the time that I grew up, it was all the Bono stuff and yeah, and, and Jordan. And so all of that stuff was fascinating to me. And I had friends that worked at Nike. And so we would go out to their campus and, and walk around. It was like, kind of like, whoa, this is really cool. But I would have done anything <laughs> to be honest to like, yeah. if somebody had come along and said like, Hey, we're going to do this aeronautical thing. Are you, can you do this for us? I would have been like, sure. Yeah. I mean, I you guess know? like time too, like it was right after the 2008 kind of recession as well. So it was kind of like, couldn't, we couldn't afford to be too picky. Right. So. No, no. I mean, I think, I think I was very fortunate to get something. Um, it was, and and this goes right into your networking thing. Like, the reason I got picked up was because Alex Briggs is one of my best buddies for undergrad. Who's from Oregon, who had introduced me to like all my soccer buddies in, in Portland. And his uncle was like, Hey, let's have a, let's have a beer in Selwood and talk about what you want to do with your career because you know, you're just graduating. So, and I kind of, you know, brought my resume and told him what I wanted to do. And it was Alex's uncle, Pat Cooney. And Pat was like, I've got this business development thing. Are you willing to do three months to figure out if you're going to be valuable to our organization? And I said, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> he's like, we'll pay you something. I was like, great. Oh, even better. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> so they, they, I mean, within the three months I, you know, stayed at office until seven, eight at night, get there before everybody else. The, you know, you do those things when you're trying mm-hmm. to like hustle. And I, um, at the end of the three months, we had a presentation at Nike for uh, the packaging business. And that packaging business had already moved to um, OIA at that time, but we at Paxis had had it previously. Mm-hmm. And we came out of the meeting and I had helped prepare it. And we had done this like kind of intricate Prezi thing. And like right. there's a video, there's a video and, you know, intro with like music and stuff, you know, <laughs> the kind of presentation you imagine you have to do for Nike because, right. you know, their marketing is so good. You sit down with one of their executives and you don't show them like some, some, something cool. They're going to be like, all right, well, that was a nice presentation, but <laughs> so right. we, we came out of the meeting and we went to um, I think we went somewhere in Beaverton to just like kind of download and like get the whole team together. And at that meeting, Jim Tom said, you now, now do you want a job? Like, I think you're on now. Like it's, yeah, we're just going to bring you on. And I was like, all right, cool. So then it was like, how do we expand the current business? And that was my first like intro into now you got to go hustle yeah and now you got to go now you got to go cold now you got to go meet everyone in the footwear industry that you can possibly meet yeah and how how are you going to do that yeah and and i guess how how did you do that because i think like again it sounds like on the background it was like the yeah i got a cold call got to hustle got to meet everybody but i think the way that you do that and just the way that that you approach or you come across as, as how you network it never feels like it's a cool. I just got to go collect all the business cards so I can like call them eventually if I need them. Like it, whenever you meet somebody, I feel like you, you make a genuine connection and you know, you, you learn about them and you remember their name. You remember the details. Like I, 
I just, you, you give this impression of being very seen and being very recognized whenever, whenever you, you talk to somebody and I, I, how do you, how do you approach that? Or what is the mindset behind that? I, I try to, I just try to listen a lot and oh, I, I forget stuff all the time. So like I, and as I'm getting older, I'm like forgetting stuff, but I, I try to remember um, little things. I try to remember things that aren't related to business more mm. than I try to remember things that are related to business, which I hope my, my boss doesn't hear that, <laughs> but, but I, but I genuinely, I genuinely care about people. Now, to be fair, my boss would say, um, he goes, he did say to me, people will come out of meetings with you and have a new friend. Whereas a lot of times people will come out of meetings with people and have a business partner or a business connection, Mm. but not a friend. So I really genuinely try to listen to people's lives outside of business and care about that a bit more. And I feel like that's what will, that's what makes people friends is all the, the relationship, not just what you do in the business side of things. So mm. for me, it's, you know, how your kids doing or how, you know, what, what's going on with your family or what's, where'd you just travel to and, and how are, you know, yeah. how are things going? Right. Like those, those things to me are the reason people come to work. So those are the things that you should probably want to know about somebody. And I, I don't do that for, it's not, I don't want to sound like I, do that because I'm trying to get an edge or something. I do that because I genuinely care mm. and, and I want to, I want to make a genuine connection with people and, and feel like, you know, when they walk into a room that they're talking to somebody that is their friend, that's also part of the listening is I want to know what they need so I can help them. Mm. I, if, you know, one of the, one of those guys that, I was originally cold calling when I was at Paxis trying to get the new business. Now, mind you, the business I was trying to get was consolidation of materials. So we were Mm. trying to help brands to consolidate materials so they could have a larger spend with Mm -hmm. a smaller amount of suppliers, and it would give them, you know, more buying power, more seasonal, um, like assurances that they were going to have product to the factories on time. Sure. Um, and one of the guys that I was trying to sell to is a guy named Don Gabadlo. He worked for Under Armour at the time. And this guy would never call me back. <laughs> he would never, like, he would never. And I was, and he probably thought I was the biggest pest. And like, I'd leave messages, email him. And um, years later, I'm in Vietnam. And my buddy Mike Okerman invites me to come to the shoe dogs meeting mm-hmm. and the shoe dogs is a group of hundred to 200 footwear professionals in Vietnam that we just do networking and like we do some philanthropy. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just a reason, like a social reason to get together. And then we raise money, like maybe for an orphanage Cool, um, yeah. every, every six months or so. So Mike invites me and then says, Hey man, I, th- I think you should come to be on the board uh, with us. And the chairman of the board is Don Gabadlo. <laughs> so Don, I so I rolled up and I'm like, oh man, this guy's gonna just be like this annoying guy <laughs> that bugged me like, what was that? Ten years ago. Yeah. 
uh, is now here. And Don was, he was so nice. And, and uh, we've now become really good friends. I meet him for beers every now and then. Like, he's just a wonderful guy. I was like, do you remember when I was gone? He's like, oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> it took, it took 10 years to like break down the barrier and mm. to become, become friends. Now, when I talk to him, if I have a legitimate business question, cause the guy's been in the business for 40 years, I'll say, Hey man, I've got this situation I'm dealing with. What do mm. you think? And he gives me advice back, right? I'm not trying to I'm not trying to sell him anything. He he's yeah. now my friend and my mentor and somebody that I look, you know, obviously respect. And so it 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 went from a cold calling to a, a friendship, yeah. but it, it takes time and it takes circumstance. Like I had to be in Vietnam. Right. To like to then be able to reconnect with him. Yeah. Um, so it's I think sometimes it's luck, you know, sometimes it's circumstance, but always have to be genuine, right? Yeah. You always have to has to be like real, like, you know, you want to spend time with the person. And now I know Don's, you know, he's got kids and he's traveling certain times of the year. Yeah. He likes, he, he likes to play golf and, you know, so now I, I know him as a friend. So I think it takes time, patience. Yeah. Well, I think too, I mean, I love kind of the through line for that it seems to also be like, it's beyond just this transactional, what can you do for me today? It's a, uh cool. I'm going to get to know you. And like, it could be a slow burn, like you're saying 10 years, but it's like, Oh, Hey, now we can reconnect and we can build off this history that we had, whatever it was, but you've got some kind of foundation. And it's not just this, what can you do for me today? And I'll forget about you. Like after that. Yeah. We had a, we had a funny connection. Um, this last Sunday night, um, Austin's in town Mm -hmm. and, um, Austin and this girl, Hillary, who's working for on running are sitting next to me. And this guy who's a designer for on running comes and sits down with us. And Austin and Hillary said, Hey, listen, man, you wouldn't have your job. If it wasn't for that guy. <laughs> and the kid, the kid is like, you know, he's a, a younger guy, but he was like, what do you mean? And so they started telling the story of how, you know, Austin got into the footwear materials and then, the guy called, well, this is probably one of the points you was pretty decisive for me to not taking a different position. Yeah. When I was, when I was at Avery first three months, the guy from Adidas called me and said, do you want to look at this leather job that we've got? Now, I don't know if it would have, it probably wouldn't have been a good fit. Um, but at the time I just started at Avery and, and I said, listen, I just started this new job, but I know somebody that would be perfect for you. Mm -hmm. And Austin was like, do not give him my name. And I was like, I'm going to give him your name. I already like, did. Yeah. Oh, he's like, Oh God. And so oh, what was that? Six years later, seven years later, now Austin's the senior director for yeah. develop for development for Adidas originals. And, and it, so he takes that job, but then Austin and I were teaching that materials class together. And this lady, Hillary took the class and then Austin got uh, the, a lady named Leanne Mitchell, who's who's now actually left the industry. is working as a teacher, a great lady. She actually interviewed Hillary and got her to work at Adidas. And now she's moved to Switzerland and working for On Running. So it's... Oh, wow. And then, yeah. so, then the, so then this guy comes up and he's like, oh, he did an internship at Adidas. And then they hired him at On because Hillary moved there. So then he moved there. So it's just... <laughs> 
it's just wanting to help each other out, right? You, right. You get into these situations and you're like, oh, you know who would be good for that? Or, oh, you know, you know who's in the mix for like they need a new role or they're interested in finding something new? I think that's when you're like, you know, the antennas go up and you go, who could fit yeah. where and how? Yeah. And I think too, like you were saying, it's like, a, how do you keep people in mind and how do you know what their interests are and how do you kind of keep those irons in the fire, those relationships so that you, you can kind of call on them or you can, you know, have good standing with somebody so that you, that they do want to think of you in those kind of situations. So I think it is more of this, like, how do you work it into your everyday to kind of have these relationships and maintain them and less of this, like, all right, today I'm networking and I'm going to, serve this purpose and then be done with it. And then I'm going to move on and kind of takes the transaction out of it. Yeah. And, and as you know, in these bigger organizations, things move a lot more slowly mm. when, when change is happening or big changes are happening. So for, you know, working at Avery, I think they're very thoughtful about whether something's going to fit and something makes sense for somebody. So I might, recommend somebody or say that this is what I know mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of circumstances and a lot of situational uh, circumstances that like make whether somebody's going to fit or not into yeah. a, into a into a role that have to work out not you know it's not just my recommendation and that's it yeah. it's like is their personality going to mesh with the team are they you know does the salary make sense does yeah. the travel amount of travel makes sense all these things that so only the only thing you can do is say i think this person might be good right or or maybe this person will be good and then the, then in a big company everybody else has to decide whether that makes sense or not right i think even from your example you know getting into paxis like you got the introduction to to pat and that was like sure you had to know the right people for that introduction but then you still had to you had to hustle and you had to work for it like it wasn't just a yes it's who you know but you also have to have the work ethic and be able to back up the the recommendation and i think maybe on that how what's your do you have a personal stance or kind of a, a rule of thumb when it comes to recommending people in terms of you're kind of putting your name on the line when you recommend people and you kind of offer your network to somebody have you had situations where you've had to tell somebody like i i don't know if i feel comfortable with this like I don't, I don't, I mean, sounds harsh. I don't want to put my name on the line for you. Um, I think what I do is uh, put them in, like, I might say to somebody, this might not, you might want to go down this road mm. because it might not fit. Mm -hmm. Like if someone says, if somebody comes to me and they're, you know, pretty entry level and they, they want to be the CEO, it's, it's like, Listen, yeah. man, that's, that's, you know, shooting a little too high here. Maybe, yeah. maybe this is more something you should do. Or if you want to get there, how do you build the plan to get there? Right. Yeah. If you want to, how do you build, what are the steps you have to take to match what that resume looks like? Mm. So, yeah. so I, I think sometimes I, I would tell people like, take some, take some time to figure out if you're here, how do you get here? And what are the steps you got to do to, yeah that point and kind of the why I, too like well why do you want that like what about that and then like could you get that through something else like sure if you want to you know be king of the world you've got to that's its own thing but yeah. you know if you want certain responsibility and you want to do this and this then yeah you could do that but you don't need to be the coo or you know along those lines and, and i think my my boss does a good job of, of 
helping build the roadmap. He's, he's, he's helped me a lot with like, if you want to, if this is something you want to do, mm. you know, what are the things you got to learn to be able to do that? So it, you definitely have to build a plan and then try to execute that plan as best you can. But I don't, I don't tell some, I probably wouldn't tell somebody, no, you should, I'm not going to recommend you for something. I would probably say I'll recommend you when you're ready for that. Oh yeah. Recommendation. I think um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to help people, but um, yeah, it's, it's got a match and it's got a fit. Yeah. And and I, and I, at a big company, I'm pretty lucky because I can go, you listen, man, it's not just me. You know, yes. if it was my, if it was my company, I'd be, it'd be a little different. Right. Right. I'd have to be like, nah, I don't know. I got to ask but, the higher up. It's just you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're the only higher up, yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm, but I'm not. So I can, I can kind of help temper the situation a little bit with, with my colleagues as um, to help me. Yeah, that's the diff. That's the difference between different sizes of companies. The different hats you have to wear in yeah. smaller companies, and the in the the amount of support you have in a in a bigger company, right? Like, sure. I was telling somebody the other day that I, I had to do when I had my my Sandman pottery. I had to do the accounting and the marketing and the and now I'm just doing you know business development. I've got so much support around the the globe. It's like, hey guys, I need this. Hey, I, can you help me with this? And you know, and man, we've got like such great human beings that just can find information and help with opinions and give me support. And then I've got a cool presentation, right? Because it's yeah. all a big, a big team to do. Yeah, kind of on that like entrepreneurial note. Like again, one of the things that stood out as I got to know you was like you always had an idea for like turning <laughs> something into a business. Like there was always. A million oh, ideas it, going on. Like, how did you convert or how did you, I, I, I don't know if it's calm that voice or kind of temper it or redirect it as you moved into kind of those larger organizations? Um, it hasn't calmed. Um, <laughs> it, I still like, I still see stuff all the time. Um, what was I thinking about the other day? Uh, oh yeah, I was on my bike. I've been doing a lot of cycling. Um, mm -hmm. um, and so I'm on my bike out in the countryside in Vietnam and I pass a lot of these like pool halls. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why cannot somebody, why can't somebody figure out a more temporary pool table? They're so heavy, right? <laughs> they have to stay in one place. Yeah. They take up a lot of space. You could probably figure out how to make a pool table that has the same hardness on the table sure. instead of a slate right? But it could be another material still have the same, like bounce off the walls. <laughs> right. Right. And be portable or less heavy. Yeah. So this, so my mind still does this stuff right, all the time. Right. Like, but <laughs> you're like halfway to a, a business plan by the time you're done, you're done yeah, cycling and yeah. yeah. Try to try to get the, the AI and write a business plan for a new pool table. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, I think in, I think in a bigger company, those ideas are, are very well received. Um, and uh, sometimes it's more about process changes and ways we can do things more efficiently internally. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I, I didn't coin this term by any means. This has been around for a long time. I think we probably heard it in grad school is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And it's just being an entrepreneur in a bigger company and trying to figure out ways to make the organization more efficient. 
luckily my the leadership at avery is very uh, they promote this kind of thought and way of thinking so they're very encouraging of me to to challenge things and to bring up new ideas um we we do a lot of like customization and retail and Mm -hmm. we'll do things like like aftermarket names and numbers on the jerseys and you know custom embellishments on on t-shirts and so you know i i thought what if we set up a store in benton market and started testing our our Mm. products out in a real touristy real life situation where people are walking around we've got a heat press now Mm -hmm. This is in a massive organization that, that in Vietnam is employing, you know, thousands of people and we're doing, you know, tons of labels a day. Yeah. And to try to try to get an organization to do something like that would be nearly impossible just because it's too it's too outside of the zone. Right. Now, I, I recognize that. So I might float that idea to like one or two people, you know, as, as we're having dinner or something. Yeah. But I'm not, but I'm not really going to write a proposal and say, you know, this is something we should try. Yeah. It's but, being selective the, and seeding it in the right way. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I have some really good coworkers who will help rein me in on some stuff like that. Like, like <laughs> sure. I, I, there's certain people I run stuff past and they're like, okay, we're not, we're not talking about that to anybody, <laughs> you know, like, hope you didn't write too, that down anywhere. If you did burn yeah, it. Yeah. That's yeah. That's too much. You know, <laughs> but, they, but, but I think the, I mean, our, our leader here in Vietnam, her name's Chow. She just sent out a, a Seth Godin, uh, you know, YouTube video about management versus leadership and about mm. failing fast. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of attitude our leadership has. They're like, try stuff. Yeah. But if you're going to try stuff, you know, fail fast and, and learn, learn something from it. Move. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great too. And I, again, one of the other things I remember, you know, from you, uh, from, from back in the day was, you know, you tapping into your biology background and always talking about, you know, biodiversity and bringing up these other ideas and not just this one way to think about things. So, yeah, I think the more that I've, the more that I've realized the synergies between like Porter's five forces and, mm-hmm. and, eco- and ecology, it's really interesting because like, as, Right. As you know, a tree falls down in the woods. Right. And all of a sudden, all this other stuff pops up and new mm-hmm. communities are formed and new things are happening. And because those new things are happening, other stuff around it changes. That's exactly like business, like something happens dramatically in business. And then all of a sudden, all this new, different and unique stuff happens, just like in a forest. So, yeah, as complicated as a as a, in ecology is or as complicated as biodiversity is, that's how complicated business is. It's just all these moving parts and everything affects everything else. So there's yeah. been a lot of synergies between the two. Um, although I can't remember a lot of the biology stuff that I <laughs> learned. It's kind of like all gone. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things, maybe if we take a step back to kind of your career, um, one of the things that I'd like to talk about here is also kind of, um, you know, what what inspires pivots or inspires changes, but then also what are the, what's the thought process behind maybe not making choices. And you mentioned that role that you eventually ended up referring Austin to, cause you had just started with Avery. What were some of the things, I mean, I think in, in the Portland area, like to be floated or suggested that, you know, you go for a, a job at, at Adidas is, is huge. So 
what was the thought process for you to not want to go and pursue that to, to kind of say, yeah, I don't, it's not right for me right now. And to, to graciously like look within your network and, and try and help out a friend and obviously find a good fit. Like what was that thought process like that, that led you to it? Yeah. So I, the, it came about actually, and I was home in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was with my, my dad and my mom and, and I, I think we all were kind of sitting there going, it's been a lot of bouncing around. Avery seems really stable, mm. you know, like this, this thing in Adidas could be not the right fit. And all of a sudden you're again, looking for a job. So, um, I think it was just like, Hey, you, you got to give this thing that you committed to a bit of a try first. Yeah. Um, and there was another time in my career when I didn't go down a road that I could have gone down. Um, when OIA was bought Paxis, uh, or the majority of Paxis, uh, OIA offered me a position to come and do data management. And similar to the role at Adidas, it was much more of a management, managing of data, management of product, management of, um, it was much more sitting behind the computer screen and being on, you know, in Google Sheets or Excel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I knew that wasn't, and I, th- I don't, I think they were trying to throw me a bone, right? They were trying mm-hmm. to be like, hey, you just lost your job at Paxis. So here's something you can do if you need to. So I appreciate yeah. that. I think that's really nice. Like, um, but I, I don't think it would have been a very good fit long-term. Like, yeah. I'm much more business development sales than I am, you know, data management. So I, I, I did decline that and, and was, you know, unemployed for a couple months because of that. But with my past experience, I always kind of knew how to hustle and like make yeah. some money here and there. Like there's always, there's always ways to hustle. Like my sister nearly paid for her like undergrad, like, all of her expenses by going to yard sales and buying furniture. Oh, right. so like, so like my family knows how to like get, figure out how to hustle some way. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm two like super interesting things like pointed out there too. Right. It's the kind of knowing, knowing enough about yourself to know this isn't a good fit for me or, you know, being able to make those hard choices to say, I I'd rather not do this and, put my energy towards finding something that really makes sense versus like, obviously it was, like you said, it's a very gracious thing that they, they offered to, to kind of help you out there, but then also recognizing kind of the sounds like there are certain phases in your life or seasons of your life where it's like, maybe now's when I need to hustle or, Hey, maybe now I need to not be bouncing around. I need to find some stability. And I think, again, just knowing that about yourself and taking the time to sit down, slow down, take the inventory, assess kind of what you really want, I think is super important. Yeah. The the other thing too, is that job at at Adi was kind of meant for Austin. Like Mm. he, like he was, he had already done a bunch of work in leather. He knew the leather business really well. Um, I knew the materials business, but you know, I've been doing business development sales. Austin had been managing, like he understood a lot about the management. We're, you know how Austin and I are very different 
Yeah. He just, he was way more suited and he's thrived at Adidas and he understands the, the intricacies and of, of their politics. And he's networked really well there and figured out who um, he needs to talk to and had some, some good visibility with leadership at, at the, that organization. So I think it just made more sense for him to, he, you know, he, he fits in that kind of the world and obviously he's doing really well there. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to try and, uh, have him on in a couple of weeks he, when he gets back from Vietnam, actually. So we chat oh, with him. Yeah. A good, uh, good teaser for that one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I think, um, so maybe, maybe we touched on this a little bit, but we'd love to maybe get any pointers that you might have for others, like as it comes to networking, um, you know, it sounds like you, you mentioned a lot of things that people or might be good for people to do in terms of, you're looking to make a connection and, you know, learn about somebody and not necessarily make it about the business transaction on the flip side. Are there things that either you look to avoid, or maybe you try and help people work through if they're going down a path that's maybe not as productive when it comes to networking. And I'll give the example, like for me, I, it's a real, uh, kind of networking turnoff for me getting kind of like a cold email through or a cold invite through LinkedIn. And then just I don't know this person. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, nice to connect. What's your story? Like, seems very like open-ended and very broad and very impersonal. Um, yeah. so I'm curious what, like what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, I, I don't really respond that, that well or eagerly to the open-ended question. Now, if somebody emails and says, Oh, I just saw that what you posted, that sounds really interesting. Um, do you have some time to talk about it? That's going to be more inviting because mm-hmm. they're actually connecting with something that I am interested in or that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I guess my, I, there's a few, there's a few wrong ways to do it. There's a million right ways. I would say, <laughs> yeah, they're, like you can, you can do it by connecting with somebody. You can do it by trying to, um, make get somebody that you know that knows them to like Mm -hmm. put in a good word for you um you can there's there's more creative ways to go about it yeah than 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 just a what's your story because that's too that's too broad um and maybe you know maybe somebody will respond to that you know if you send out a thousand and you get one percent you know one percent return that's still ten people yeah. Is that right? Is that math right? <laughs> yeah. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, so you can be, you know what I mean? Like and that's, that's legitimate, like cold calling. Right. 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 But if you really want to connect with somebody, if you really want them to be part of your network, if you really want them to be a mentor, then there's more creative ways to do it. And there's more thoughtful ways to do it and learning about who they are, reading their, their profile and, kind of digging into what they've done you know you find out somebody went to to michigan state and they're they've got a degree in packaging and you've got a friend that went to michigan state and michigan state played a great game in 1997 in basketball and you know that they were there at the time mm. and you you write them you write them a note and say hey listen i'm a huge kentucky basketball fan but i've got a lot of respect for Izzo, and i think he's a great coach I I was in college at the time this game happened, and you were too. What'd you think about that matchup? Yeah. All all of a sudden, you're like the guy's like, okay, he likes basketball. <laughs> Maybe he likes basketball too. 
Right. He knows that I went there for packaging. So maybe he knows something about packaging. Right. And then that person views your profile and goes, okay, he's in the industry and supply chain. There's some sort of connection, right? Maybe that's a more creative way than right. just, than just saying what's your story. Yeah. Yeah. I think it speaks to also like doing the work and being thoughtful about it not just, uh, all right, I'm going to hit up everybody. I think like, I mean, like you said, you're going to have to know these things and connect the dots for yourself. Right. So it's uh, yeah. showing that you put in the work and that you've invested the time at least. And like, that's what we were talking about earlier. I don't want it to be like, you know, you're cyber stalking somebody before <laughs> you send a note to them. Like it's gotta be, there's gotta be some sort of reason or connection. Right. Um, right. You gotta do your homework, trying. but you can't be, can't yeah. be too creepy about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's gotta be, you know, thoughtful. Yeah. From the, uh, the standpoint of, you know, putting yourself out there. I mean, I think that I'll speak from personal experience. Like it was a very big, like personality wise at the time, like I just thought, man, networking is just not meant for me. Like I just, I'm terrified about meeting new people. I never, I don't know what to talk about when when I'm talking, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I just feel awkward all the time. Like, what do I do? Um, what, what advice do you have for people to, to kind of adopt their own style or, or get over some of those um, maybe stereotypes about what networking is um, to help them slide into something that feels authentic to them? So I, <clears throat> I think the thing to think about most whenever you're doing networking is that everybody feels like you, right? <laughs> like we're all sitting here, like trying to get to know each other, trying to do the best we can, but I, you know, there are people in your organization you probably think have it all put together and are probably the same way that you are as far as being an, an introvert and having trouble doing networking. So you're not alone. Like mm -hmm. there's there's people out there that that feel just as nervous or awkward or or have those feelings. And so you're totally normal. I think that's mm -hmm. the first thing. If you realize that when you're in this situation, you're like, oh, okay, everybody feels like me. The other, the other thing too, is, sorry. The other thing too is um, usually the business isn't brain surgery, right? Like I'd be nervous if I was a brain surgeon and I did, it didn't feel comfortable, right? Yeah. But usually the product or service that we're talking about mm -hmm. isn't gonna isn't gonna collapse the civilization. <laughs> right. So it's not that big a deal. So if I'm having a beer with you and we're talking about labels and I, I culturally do something wrong, mm -hmm. right. It's probably not going to like be the end of the world. Right. Right. Like, like if I, if I don't cheers you before I take a sip of the, like, it's not, and you're like, oh man, that guy, you know, blacklisted now, never, yeah, yeah. never a referral for me, no connections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people are forgiving. It's yeah. not that big a deal and you're not alone. No, oh, I think so, that's great. That's I think what, it's, the, yeah. yeah it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's just really, it's really people trying to be, trying to connect with other human beings and be part of a tribe that, that they feel, you know, you know, can, can make them feel more secure in their, their job and in their career yeah right? that's what i think that's what networking is it's building a tribe around yourself where you can go to people and say i need help and i feel more secure and and with with this tribe that i've built so that if anything happens i've got a 
crew around me at whatever different levels that concentrically go out that can help me. Now, that network might also help you while you're doing your roles, right? But using that network while you're in your role will make you more secure for when you're out of your role Mm -hmm. and, and need that support group. Uh, because you built strength around those concentric circles. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like too, it's a finding the balance that's right for you so that you can kind of maintain building those relationships, not just when you need them, but you kind of figure out what's right for you to embed it in part of your everyday. Yeah. I think, and and that's the thing about like mentors too. You, you, now I've got like, I've got like 10 or 15 people that I consistently follow up with. Mm-hmm. that are like that are people that give me advice whether I want to hear it or not <laughs> um that you know encourage me that um that can commiserate with me sometimes mm-hmm. you know used to be at a, used to be at a comp- same company that I am and we sit there and we just you know talk about the, the struggles that we are you had and are having um those kinds of bonds help you uh, when you need advice. Yeah. Um, and that, that becomes your network, not just for, for jobs, but for support yeah. mentally and, and in your, in your job. Yeah. No, I love that call out too. Cause I think like one of the things talk about a little bit is like building that bench or that, like you said, like that crew for you. And, and there's going to be different roles in there. Not everybody's going to be who can hook me up with a job, but like you're saying, like, I have mentors and I have coaches and I have sponsors and I have, you know, people that I vent to and people that serve all sorts of purposes. So from a, I think I'd love to get your take, you know, it sounds like you've got you know a deep bench of mentors. How do you go about establishing those relationships? Cause I think as an example, like bigger organizations, it feels like, oh, you need to have a mentor. So then it's like, cool. How do I ask somebody to be a mentor? How do I get set up with a mentor? Like it seems like a very like abstract yet formal process. So what's your approach to finding a mentor? And, you know, when you have one, do you say, Hey, you're my mentor or like, are you willing to be my mentor? (laughs) Uh, I don't think that anybody, well, there's two different ways in internally. I think we have a mentor process where Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you ask somebody in leadership to be a mentor for somebody in the organization that maybe you're managing. And Mm -hmm. that's, um, and especially in Avery for women's empowerment, we've had a lot of, you know, women leaders, you know, talking to some people that are in maybe middle management about how they get to the next level. Uh, we're bit, there's a big push uh, for more women's empowerment. So we've tried to connect people there, how, you know, and, and there's a more of a formal process there. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you guys are going to touch base, you know, once every two months and, um, you know, these are the questions that you have to be prepared to ask and you mm-hmm. know, getting them ready to, to kind of have those conversations. The informal way to do it is I think you try to think about what that mentor might need. Um, and then try to make connections where you say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Mm. Uh, so let me give you an example. Um, our, so if there's like, so if there's a retail company that we're trying to sell through at Avery Dennison and 
there's somebody I know that helps retail companies to expand into new markets. I might say, hey, we're doing some work with this company. Have you guys ever heard of them? And would they be mm -hmm. interesting for you as a client? That mentor who's managing that retail consulting business might say, oh, we've never heard of them. Or yes, we totally know them. If they've never heard of them, then they go, oh, sweet, that might be a new client for us. Otherwise, they may say, oh, we totally know those guys. Stay away from them. Uh, they're, they're, they're not ethical. Or they may mm -hmm. say, hey, those guys are great to work with. I know this person, this person, this person. You should talk to them. Yeah. So you thinking about them as how it could affect their business, all of a sudden they're like, oh, cool. Then you get, then you get them on the phone and you get them you know, talking about yeah. it. And that's how they become your mentors because then you start to build that relationship because they're giving you advice. Right. They're telling you what in the business they, they think you should do with a particular customer. You're not competitors, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're a retail consultant. You're a supplier for materials. But then all of a sudden you've got this person in the middle that you guys have something to talk about together. Yeah. Uh, I think too, like it goes back to that example with the, you know, the basketball example of trying to make the connection with the email. It's you're, you're trying to put more out there. That's you're not trying to trick anybody, but at the same time, you're trying to make it worth their time and worth the like intellectually right. stimulating to have the conversation instead of just a, I got a business question. What can you tell me? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been, so, and sometimes those mentors are at your customers. Sure. So, so for a long time, uh, Bill Tung, our uh -huh. teacher, we've become really good friends and he's become a mentor to me. Um, he was at Columbia Sportswear and yeah. they were one of my clients. So Bill and I would meet and I would just ask him about general stuff about the business. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I was trying to sell him anything. I was yeah. just trying to get insights, but it was a platform for us to talk every six months. And he'd tell me, you know, sometimes he'd vent. Sometimes he'd say, you know, what road you should go down is this, mm -hmm. this is really interesting, or you should talk to this person. That becomes not like a salesy thing. It's more of like a mentor. And I always was kind of hoping he'd be like, someday he'd be like, you know, I really need you for sales, you know, <laughs> but right. And maybe someday I'll get to work with him um, actually at the same company, but you know, he's, he, he will always be somebody that I will talk to. Yeah. The, there's a lot of different ways to build those relationships, I think, but um, having a consistent reaching out to people to listen to them is probably the key. Yeah. In, in my mind. Yeah. The, the consistency though, like you have to stay with it. Right. And is there maybe on the, the flip side of that, are there, are, do you have experience or examples of times where maybe you had parts of your network that maybe were harder to maintain and, and for whatever reason, just kind of felt like drifted away? And, and how do you manage those kind of like phase in phase outs versus, or is it constantly this like snowball where you're adding to your network and it's always growing or is it kind of a give and take for you in the way that you look at it? No, I've definitely made some, um, I've made mistakes, um, by just not, not keeping up enough. Mm. Um, and solely on me as, you know, somebody that just, you know, time is a factor obviously. And <clears throat> there's people that, 
I'm trying to think, but there's, I'm sure there's people that I haven't kept up with. Like I should have, whether it's, you know, proximity or time zones or whatever it might be. uh, I'm sure there's people out there that, that I could have done a better job with, with, you know, staying in touch with, uh, I'm trying to think <laughs> who, who it might be, but, um, it's, it's, it's not a, it usually is not a chore. And if you do like fall out of a relationship with somebody, it's not, sometimes it's because they become a competitor. Mm. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's because just, you know, life happens and yeah. And the cool thing is, is when people pop back up and you go, how you been? Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, it's, I don't think when things like, it's not as formal as when, as people stop talking to each other are the distance between how much Bill Tong and I talk to each other at this point doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I can call Bill whenever. And same with like my old boss, Chris Robbins, I can call him whenever yeah. And Jim and Jim Toms. I, it doesn't, it, at that point, it's like just seeing an old buddy. Yeah. Um, so I have to imagine too, like you were saying with like the whole, everybody feels awkward when they're networking, everybody's got life going on too. So everybody's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I doubt, you know, if you're not getting in touch with somebody, they're sitting back thinking like, man, Will's like two years too late from reaching out. Like, yeah, forget that yeah. guy. Like, I, don't, I don't think anybody's thinking that. So everybody's no, I, I don't trying to keep up. Yeah. I think, I think, I think once people know that you genuinely care, then I think, then I think it doesn't matter how much time is in between as long as when you see that person, that you continue that attitude of, of caring. Yeah. Well, great. And, yeah. No, that's awesome. It's, I think, uh, Oh, sorry. What was that? No, it's go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, I want to respect your time. So kind of love to wrap these with uh, kind of highlights of your career in terms of like, obviously, tons of different things you've done, awesome companies you work for, lived in exciting places around the world. What would you say is like the coolest thing in your career? And like, what made it cool? Oh, man. Um, Is it coolest thing, like, as far as like, something that's happened in business? Oh, it is. It It is any way you want to take it. Yeah. A total dealer's (laughs) choice. Oh man. Oh, this is tough. But so when we recently had a summit in Portland and, you know, everybody flew in and these become more rare in 2018, 2019, I, I was doing like crazy amount of flying around the world. And it was, it was awesome to be able to see people all the time. And then when mm-hmm. COVID happened, it was pretty tough. Uh, at the, so when we finally got to get everybody back together, that was really the most recent fun and amazing time to have. It was coming to Portland after not being there for five years and see everybody in our own office in actually a new renovated office, which was amazing. And then have all these people come in from around the world who I hadn't seen in years. Mm-hmm. And then and then get to see all my former clients at all the different brands that I hadn't seen in years. That was, that was the most fun and the most 
um, engaging thing that happened in a long time. Um, you know, during that business development time about five, four or five years ago, I was, I was in a new city every week. And, mm. and so I got to see a ton of people and then COVID happened. And it was like, it probably the best thing for my health to, sure. for COVID to happen, <laughs> to be able to not travel so much traveling. is very difficult. <laughs> um, but but yeah, just getting everybody back together, I think, is probably my most recent memory of a great thing that has happened. Um, you know, there's obviously lots of things along the way yeah. that you can remember as, as different points that were like the one where we had the presentation to, to Nike. That was a big, a big thing. And moving to China was a, was a great opportunity. Uh, moving to Hong Kong was a great opportunity. And now we love living in Vietnam. So this has been a wonderful opportunity as well. So these, I think any, any event where you can get a lot of people together for me is a huge uh, win. Uh, mm. We just did, we just did a, a kind of a teamwork team building event in Barria, which is about, you know, three hours from Ho Chi Minh city, but there were 500 people at the event oh, wow. and it was, it was put on by the, the leadership here in Vietnam and, and Chow got everybody, you know, factory side, office side, like everything. And they did a talent show and but just having <laughs> all those cool. people together to, to celebrate what's been a really amazing time at the, the growth of the factory here. And Anytime you can get everybody face to face because you do the business stuff during the day, but then the real relationships come out at night when you start to talk about um, family and in and, and the kids and what people are doing outside of work for, for hobbies mm -hmm. and what people want to do for travel. And that's when real relationships are built and make the, <clears throat> make the business a lot easier because then when you want to have tough conversations you know you're doing it with a friend yeah and that's that's what i feel the real benefit is you know my one of my best buddies chris potit we do we he, we're working very closely together every day and we do a lot of we do a we have similar personalities but not exactly the same mm -hmm. and we have to have tough conversations and because i know he's one of my best buddies it makes it a lot easier not not perfectly easy, but mm -hmm. it makes it a lot easier because I know he cares. Yeah. So, so I think, I think I would say in any networking, build the real genuine relationships and it will make things a lot easier for in a lot of different ways. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. And then finally, I think I uh, want to give you the space, you know, you mentioned shoe dogs. Do you want to talk a little bit more about shoe dogs or anything else that you're interested in that you think or it's important to you that you might want to direct any attention to? would love to use this as much as a platform for, for stuff that's important to you to, again, highlight that. Sure. I, I think shoe dogs is a, is an organization that's, you know, nonprofit and we're, we're just trying to get people together. We're doing a uh, networking uh, event coming up probably September, August, September, where we're going to get um, everybody in the same room and try to probably raise a little bit of money for, for one of the charities, whichever charity we decide the board hasn't decided yet. So 
Uh, we're still analyzing kind of where the, the money will go once we raise it. Um, the other thing is, you know, if you get a chance to check out Avery Dennison, uh, it's uh, my plug yeah. for, for the company <laughs> I work for. Absolutely. We, uh, we make great, unbelievable products for all the team sports and for footwear and for um, anything in the, in the fashion industry. Uh, it's all the names, numbers, and jerseys, labels on your shirt, any of the trims. That's all the product we make. And, and I, think, I think we're the best in the world at, at it. And I think that we do it in a very responsible way. We, we're leading the industry in, in all the sustainable initiatives. And, it's, uh, and, and, and we have all the, the right compliance to, to do things the right way. Uh, in the world of, of fashion. So um, if you get a chance, go to the website and check out Avery Dennison. It's, it's a fascinating and amazing company. I feel very fortunate to, uh, to work for it. Yeah, no, that's great. We'll put a, a link in the, in the show notes to make it easy for people to find and, and check out. Cool. Awesome. Well, Will, Will Sandman, thanks so much for, for reconnecting. Good to chat again. And, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Patrick, man. This is great. It was great to catch up with Will. And true to our conversation, and his mention that once you form a relationship with someone, if you do truly form a relationship with them, then there really is an expiration date on that bond. It's been years since Will and I had a conversation much longer than a brief exchange, but he was just as warm and sharing of his wisdom and advice as I remember from when we met nearly 15 years ago. It truly felt like we were able to pick up where we left off. And for me, that was the biggest takeaway about networking from this conversation. The networking isn't about how many LinkedIn followers you have or how many cold call emails you send out but it's about truly connecting with another individual, finding out what makes them unique and how you can bond with them. Sure, you may be making the connection because it could further your career or theirs, but you can't always know what that benefit's going to look like or when it will pay out. The important thing is to be authentic. I also found particular comfort in Will's assurance that no one's alone or different for feeling like making a connection could be awkward. We're all in the same boat, and it's easy to get over that unease when remembering that we're all just trying to find that tribe to belong to and to help each other get further along to where we want to go. Now, that about does it for this episode. And as always, if you have any thoughts or questions or ideas you'd like to hear covered in future episodes, you can send them to me at patrick at prgscoach.com. If you also have a unique career story of your own, or feel as though you have something to offer the world as far as career development advice goes, I'd love to hear from you and maybe feature you on a future career deep dive. And with that, I'll sign off with, a certain type of perfection can only be realized through a limitless accumulation of the imperfect. Thanks again for listening in, and we'll talk more in our next episode.